evening and you are very welcome to this week's episode of Let's Go Green here on Midlands 103. The programme where we talk about the environment without lecturing you on how you should be making changes in your day-to-day lives. I'm your host, Ashling O'Rourke, and I hope you are safe and well as you tune in this week. Now, we talk a lot about government plans and efforts that are being made to mitigate against climate change um, annually here on the programme. And oftentimes it can feel quite removed from our own day-to-day lives. So I'm delighted this week to be joined by John McNally. John is the Climate Action Coordinator for Offaly County Council. John, you are very welcome to Let's Go Green. Hi, Ashley. Delighted to be here. Now, John, we have spoken on the programme before, but at the moment you're working on quite what could be quite a significant project from Offaly County Council's perspective. Tell me, what is it this that you're working on at the moment? That's right, Ashley. At the moment we're working on the Offaly Climate Action Plan. This is a five-year climate action plan, so we're looking from 2024 to 2029. This kind of aligns with national government policy coming from the Climate Action and the Low Carbon Development Act in 2021, where each local authority is mandated to develop and adopt their own individual climate action plan. As I said, it's going to be a five-year plan. We'll be looking at mitigation actions, adaptation actions. We'll be looking at biodiversity. Uh, We'll be looking at community supports. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an exciting time at the moment. John, I've been in the media for a very long time now and there is a part of me when I hear plans are being worked on from local authorities or government, mentally, I have to admit, a part of me switches off because when I hear plans, I think it's great that this is all going to go down on paper. But will anything actually come of this on a practical level from Offaly County Councils? Like, will we see action off the back of this? Yeah, I understand what you're saying, Ashleen. And this is an an implementable action plan. Okay. Previously, we've developed strategies and they're much more kind of high level and aspirational. Mm -hmm. But this now is the time for action. We're at the delivery stage now. So these action plans, climate action plans, um, that's what they are. They're, They're going to be full of ambitious actions to tackle climate action, sustainability, energy, biodiversity. And again, they're going to be reported upon and monitored very closely by government. Government have their own targets set and each sector within government have their targets that they need to meet. These align with those with those targets and those aspirations. So Offaly County Council will have targets that you have to meet that the government will be keeping an eye on. Absolutely. And we could say the same then for Leash and Westmeath as well. Absolutely. Each local authority are in the position where every local authority across the country has to develop their individual climate action plan, their five-year plan. Now, we know climate action is, is, is a global issue. It's a global crisis. But this is very much a local plan on how we can tackle the issues locally, what we can do um, locally. 
I suspect that something to do with turf is going to be part of this. Like we are in a part of the country where an awful lot of households are still heating their homes with fossil fuels, whether that be turf that they'll cut from the bog or or, or oil. Um, so like what could we see? What are, what So far, what is the plan shaping up to look like? Well, again, you're absolutely correct. And the evidence that we've gathered in the preparation stage of this plan bears that out, that the residential sector um, in the Midlands has the highest CO2, the greenhouse gas emissions in the country. And Offaly then has one of the highest levels within the Midlands. So again, that focuses our, our actions and our targets within the plan that we can say, okay, residential CO2s to us is an issue. So how can we help solve that? So again, Can you simplify that for the listeners, John? And um, Why is that a cause of concern that residential CO2 is so high here in the Midlands? Well, again, the, the, it, it leads back to, as you say, fossil fuel and burning turf. But again, the, the, the CO2, it, it's linked with air quality. It's linked to, to health and well-being. So that to us, We've identified that as an issue. So, again, there's the National Retrofit Programme, Offaly County Council, and all the other local authorities within the Midlands region are working with government to roll out the National uh, Retrofit Programme, to install more heat pumps, to, to do away with solid fuel, to insulate homes, to improve windows and doors, to make homes more comfortable and healthier places to live. So... That evidence gathering that we have done in the preparation stage allows us to focus on specific issues within the county. And as you say, that happens to be one of them. And I know you're looking for the public to get involved in this process. You, you, and I know, and we're talking to you as the climate action coordinator for County Offaly, for Offaly County Council. You will have an equivalent in Leash and Westmeath, of course, and they are going through a very similar process at the moment. So if you're listening to this right now, but you live perhaps in Mullingar or Port Leash, your own local authority is going to be looking for your input over the next coming weeks and months as well. So, so how do you want people to get involved in this process? Well, for Offaly County Council, we've set up a, a dedicated uh, email address. We have, uh, that's climate at offalycoco.ie. So if anybody has any suggestions, anybody has any ideas or projects that they'd like to see implemented or if they're working on new technologies that are in the the climate space or around adaptation or developing an app or or something like that 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 they'd like to see included in uh, uh, a climate action plan, we'd love to hear from them. Because as you say, we're we're still writing the draft plan at the moment. Um, Once we have the plan written, once we have the draft written, we'll be going out for public consultation at the start of September. So at that stage, again, the public will have uh, an opportunity to comment. They'll have a physical copy of the plan. They can download it or they can get a copy from their library. They can sit down, they can read it. They can give us their comments or their submissions on the plan as it's drafted. And again, we'll consider all those submissions that we receive in. And if we need to tweak the plan or if we need to add something or if we've missed something out, we'll have time at that stage to, to, to amend the plan 
before it goes before the elected members for adoption. But if you're an early bird and you get involved now, correct, you you would, may have more of an impact. Absolutely, yeah. As I said, we're at the the drafting stage, so we're more than happy to hear from people if there's a good idea out there, if there's a good project, if there's a, some innovation, if there's some new technology, we, we'd love to hear from people and we'd love to include it in the plan right from the get-go. Can I ask, because on last week's episode of the show, we discussed people with disability and whether or not now, I know disability is a wide ranging topic and you could be somebody like me who lives with an invisible disability and looks completely healthy on the outside or someone who is obviously has a disability. Um, but are you involved in groups, advocacy groups in this whole process for the county? Because I think frequently people can feel left out of these processes. Yeah, no, we, we've done a, a wide ranging stakeholder engagement process so far. It, it hasn't been overly formal, but it's been very much, we, we're going out, we meet age-friendly groups, we're meeting Corn and Nanog, we're meeting the HSE, we're meeting a wide variety of groups. We, we've had training on social inclusion, stakeholder engagement. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're trying to reach as many people as we possibly can. And again, this opportunity to talk here with you, Ashleen, helps that reach as well, that any people that we haven't talked to so far, we'd love to hear from you. We've some ads going in the local newspapers, we've social media. So yeah, we're, we're trying to reach as far and as wide as possible. I was lucky to be, and I mentioned this in last week's show, but I, summer last year I was in a little town in New York and I can't even remember the name of the town it was that terrible but they had a wonderful thing where you know when you see on holidays you can hire a bike and you can you know go for a cycle around the island or the area but as part of these like bike shops where you hire the bike or you hire the little tri- the, the adorable little tricycles for kids that were all shaped in different after uh, different animals and all of that you could also hire mobility scooters for the day and I just thought that was such a simple initiative like I know here in Ireland we have the, the public bike rental schemes we have them here in the Midlands with Moby they've been piloted um, but it would be nice to see people with mobility issues included in efforts like that that like not just the um, well-abled are, are thought of in these circumstances Absolutely and ideas like that are being developed like kind of mobility hubs mm-hmm. that you could hire a mobility scooter an electric scooter a pedal bike an electric bike an electric car an electric van it's kind of like a library for for mobility really fantastic That's, yeah and they're being trialed and piloted in some of the larger towns i think maybe one of the dublin local authorities but absolutely like for the likes of say Tullamore here like somewhere like the train station could be perfect for that that you could hire an electric car you could hire an electric uh, mobility scooter that you'd have a range of different options there that you wouldn't be tied to owning a car or having to drive a car and it gives people more options. Because those, particularly those mobility scooters, they're very large, they're very cumbersome. Um, I know there's, you know, you can get help and all that, but they are expensive. No matter who pays for it, mm. they're very expensive. And some people might not need them every day of their lives. They might just need them when they go into town, for example. So something like that where you could hire them on a, a casual basis, like you can hire a bike, um, seems to me like, you know, 
you know, uh, a, a very basically obvious idea. But it's, and so it's great to hear that these things are being thought of. What about people listening who will say, well, do you know what? I've spent my entire life building up my home to the way it is today. It's oil fired central heating or I use a turf fire in the aga or the stove. I, I'm not ripping my house apart because I can't afford, never mind, I can't, I can't afford to get the money together to do it. I don't want to be tearing up the floors and all of that. Like there will be resistance to this plan and, and what comes out of it. Absolutely. And we're not trying to force any measure down anybody's neck. It's, it's I think the whole climate crisis, as I said earlier, it's, it's a global issue. But it really boils down to what can the individual do to make the difference? And not everybody is going to be able to fully retrofit their house. Not everybody's going to be able to afford mm-hmm. to fully retrofit their house. But it's... It's the recycling, it's the reducing the food waste, it's maybe not taking the car on on every single journey, that maybe walking or cycling or it's what the individual can do. I think it's important and it's 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 I think gone are the days of looking to America or China and saying, oh, well, you're little old Ireland. We can't make a difference here. We can. Like, well, like we're one of the worst polluters in Europe. And we're a small island off. Europe, True, we have, you know, we so, have work to do. So we do. In in fairness, we do have work to do. Mm. And like our, like if you look at Ireland in comparison to other EU countries, we are actually doing quite a bit of damage. And the science bears that out. So it's not about blaming other larger countries and taking the easy way out here. We do have to take responsibility. Oh, we do. Yeah, and it's it's what each individual can do. And then within that, the different layers of governments like the local authorities are putting their plans in place and they're laying out our plans our action plans for the next five years national government are setting ambitious targets now and they're laying out their plans for to 2030 and 2050 so we're yeah we're probably a little bit late to the race Mm -hmm. but you know the race isn't lost yet like it's there's still lots to be done and lots I think that we can do to improve the situation. Now, this time next year, we will quite possibly have a new county council in, because we will have had our local elections. Does that impact this at all? Or is that going to, like, because I know people on a national state scale, you might have a government promise to do one thing and then they get a new, elect, a new government gets elected into office. So from a local authority perspective, does that change things, you know, or, or are your, you guys in the background working away on this regardless? Oh, we're, we're working away on this regardless. Like the, the public sector have our own targets that we have to meet for energy efficiency and greenhouse gas reductions. So we're working hard to meet those. Um, The plan, our climate action plan, we're hoping to have adopted at the January or the February uh, elected members meeting. So that, that will, by all probably be before the general election. Mm -hmm. So again, we're doing a lot of stakeholder engagement. We're doing a lot of engagement with the elected members through the process of of developing the plan. Um, We're going to the MD meetings, the SPC meetings. So they're they're being kept fully briefed of the process along every step. So... um, no, we, we'd hope to have it adopted, as I said, the first or second month in, in 2024. 
and once it's adopted then again listen we'll have five years of implementation of the plan then going forward Now uh, let's get on to brass tacks you have some money that communities can apply for Correct, yeah. The, the the government announced or launched a community climate action fund. So in all, that's a 60 million euro fund over three years. So Offaly are in the position for phase one. For the first 18 months, we've been allocated 444,000 euros. So that's dedicated, that's 100% funding towards community groups around climate action, sustainable type projects. So there's different themes that that the money that the projects can kind of fall under. Team one would be home and energy. Team two, travel. Theme three, food and waste, four, shopping and recycling, and five, uh, local climate and environmental action. So over the next 18 months, Offaly will have almost a half a million euros to distribute to community groups. So again, we're kind of at the stage, the the kind of engagement, we're getting the message out there that this fund is available. Mm -hmm. It's available to community groups. Come and talk to us. It hasn't officially been launched as yet because when it is launched, a set of timelines will will kick in, I suppose. Okay. That groups will have, whatever, six weeks, eight weeks to get their applications in. And so now is the time to be making so contact to find out more exactly. about it. Exactly. So like, talk to me then about like the, the first project on behalf of all of County Offaly. Could we please offer training to train up a cobbler um, for reusing and recycling of old shoes because we don't have a cobbler. So that would be a, a great project, John. I'm going oh, go. to suggest <laughs> you live on the airwaves. But what kind of projects might communities be able to come together and put forward? for this funding? Well, again, if, if communities have an idea or a project in their heads that they're kind of thinking, well, w- we'd love to do this. Like, they, they can be they can be small. They can be anywhere from maybe up to 20,000. Then there's another bracket from 20,000 up to 50,000. And then for bigger projects, like up to 100,000 euros, they're going to be considered as well. So like I know, and this was different funding, it was the SEAI, but Mm. there is work underway to get solar-powered electric lighting for the outdoor pool in Ballinacale in County Leash and where the community came together and they approached the SEAI about that. Would it be something like that where the community would band together and say, we have this idea, we want to do whatever it might be. Exactly, okay. yeah. And again, th- those themes I talked about, th- they're fairly broad. It could be a polytunnel in the local community centre. It could be, I don't know, upgrade the 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 GEA lights maybe to LED lights. It could be um, pushing for a, 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 a bus stop or a, or a new bus route through a village or something like that. So... Yeah, they're, again, they're the broad themes. If they have ideas or if they want to come to us even to discuss, to say, well, here, listen, we're a small community group, but we'd like to do something around sustainability or biodiversity. Mm-hmm. We'll sit down with our biodiversity officer and with that group and say, well, well listen, what, what are you guys into? What can you deliver? What can you commit to? We'll, we'll kind of support them that way. 
So this sounds like a wonderful opportunity in that it doesn't sound particularly rigid so the community can be really creative here. Absolutely, yeah. The creative, the better. And it's it's 100% funded. So a lot of other government schemes, they might be 50, 60, 75% funded. So the community groups would have to come up with the match funding to, to finish out the project. But the great thing about this scheme is if you come up with a project, if it gets the green green light, it's 100% funded. Well, John McNally, Climate Action Coordinator for Offaly County Council, thank you for speaking with us today. If you want to get involved in Offaly County Council's Climate Action Plan for the next five years, or indeed this new funding that's been announced, can you give us that email address again, John? It's climate at offalycoco.ie. Fantastic. So climate at offlycoco.ie. John McNally, thank you very much for coming back to us on Let's Go Green. Thanks for having me. We'll be back after the break. You're listening to Let's Go Green with myself, Ashling O'Rourke. I hope you enjoyed the first part of this week's episode of the show with the Climate Action Coordinator for Offaly County Council, John McNally. That draft plan is being worked on as we speak. So if you do have an idea like my mobility hub, um, you know, it's now is the time to be getting in contact with John and his colleagues to to really have your thoughts and projects listened to. Now is the time they're gathering all of that information together. And if you have your say now, you might even see it happening in the next five years here in Offaly. And like I said as well, this process is being conducted in every county council in the country. So if you're listening to us and you live in another part of Ireland, get in contact with the Climate Action Coordinator in your own local authority and see what stage of the process that they're at and how you can contact their team there um, to have your say. And of course, once the draft plan is completed by September there or thereabouts, then it will go out for public um, consultation. And that means that you can have your say on what's been put together. It might be a bit late to put ideas forward. So now is the time if you have an idea you want them to include as part of this plan. But come September, John will be looking for you and his colleagues around the country. will be looking for you to have suggestions, maybe suggest some tweaks to the plan that they have put together. Once it's signed off by the county councillors in the new year, then that's it. That's the climate action plan for Offaly County Council and indeed any other local authority for five years. So each local authority in each county in the country is putting one of these things together and it will be implemented because the government is going to keep an eye on that. Um, And we will be keeping an eye on it here on Let's Go Green as well. As always, if there is an idea that you would like us to be discussing here on the programme each week, please do feel free to get in contact with me. Go on to midlands103.com, click on the On Air Team button. You will see my name, Ashling O'Rourke, and on my page, you can get um, a little button to send me an email directly. That's how several people who appear on the show get onto the show. They send me an email, tell me what they're up to, and I think, yeah, that's a great idea. I want to talk to you. So please please do drop me a line through the on-air team section of midlands103.com. We're going to take a break and pay the bills with some ads and we'll be back in a few moments' time. Midlands 103. 
You're listening to Let's Go Green here on Midlands 103 and we're turning to all things meteorological now and we are joined by Paul Moore from Met Erin. Paul Moore is a climatologist at the Climate Services Division in Met Erin. Paul, you are very welcome to the programme. Hi, Ashley. Thank you. Now, Paul, I think it's fair to say that here in Ireland in June was quite a mixed bag in terms of weather conditions. I know a lot of people were complaining that it was very, very hot and humid and sticky. And then we had those what felt like unprecedented lightning and thunderstorms. And Erin and yourselves and your colleagues, you've been looking at the temperatures we had and they they were unusually warm, as I understand it. Uh, yes, we actually had the hottest June on record. Now, that's from a day set going back to 1900, so 123 years. Uh, the previous warmest June on record was in 1940, which had a mean temperature of 15.4 degrees across the country. This June, for the first time ever on, the, on our data set, has, has topped that, and it's over 16 degrees for the first time ever um, as a mean temperature for the whole country for June. Um, so 25 of our, or 23 of our 25 primary weather stations had their warmest June on record. Only Phoenix Park and Dublin Airport, um, the second warmest, 1976 was warmer there, but that's just because the first few days of June was a bit cooler there with the easterly winds. Um, and then during the middle of the month, for eight consecutive days, we had uh, intense thunderstorm activity as well. There was a very warm, humid air mass over us. <clears throat> Excuse me, and it was very unstable, and it led to a lot of intense thunderstorm activity during for an eight-day period there in the middle, and then again on the 25th. Um, and then the sea surface temperatures around our coasts were also well above average um, for June. The sea surface temperatures on the buoys around our coasts from the Irish Marine Boy Network. Um, the average for June um, just gone to 15.6 degrees, which is two degrees above average, and a, a, a new maximum temperature in the M5 boy, boy off Wexford of 19.7 degrees was recorded. Um, so, yes, it's been a pretty exceptional June, um, just gone now. Now, I know statisticians would tell us, you know, not to pick one w- one number and get too excited about it, that we have to look at things in the round. So the fact that it was the warmest June on record since the 40s, what does that tell us? Like, there'll be those of us who are interested in climate action and climate change and, and concerned about it and we'll find that very worrying. But you're the expert, Paul. So how worried should we be by these figures? Um, well, there is the background warming going on all the time due to climate change, due to man-made climate change with release of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. So that's an ongoing kind of background warming that's going up and up bit by bit. But the, there's also natural variability where it goes up and down due to other factors, you know, the synoptic situation, the surface temperatures, and different other factors that cause kind of spikes and troughs in the temperature as well. Um, so <clears throat> basically the, <clears throat> excuse me, the June temperature was 0.8 degrees above the previous highest, which normally if, if a monthly means beaten, it's normally by by 0.1 or 0.2, but to be beaten by such a high amount is, uh, you know, it's quite considerable and that wouldn't be a normal. So there, what's, what's 
affecting us in June this year is this, the sea surface temperatures across the North Atlantic Basin have been at record high levels during April and May and into June. And sea surface temperatures across the whole globe are at record levels as well over the last two months. Um, and now we have an El Nino uh, beginning as well, which is pushing up the... That's another natural variability that's pushing up the average global global temperatures you know, up a little bit more compared to what they were over the last three years, which were La Nina years, which which has a, a kind of natural variability of cooling the global temperatures. Now, talk to me. I'm not a meteorologist. I'm far from it. What exactly is El Nino? What what is it? What is it going to look and feel like for us? Yeah, well, the El Nino sudden oscillation is a. It, it's an oscillation of sea surface temperatures off the, the uh, west coast of South America across the tropical Pacific Ocean. And in La Nina years, these temperatures, uh, sea surface temperatures are below average because of the cool waters comes up off the west coast of South America and spreads across from deep water comes up. But in El Nino years, it's it's reversed and, and a warm pool develops off the west coast of America and spreads across the Pacific. And that pushes up the regional temperatures quite a bit, but it also adds, if we look at the global temperatures, it adds about 1.2 degrees to just the average global temperatures. So you get those spikes and troughs. And what it means for us, weather-wise, it, it, the El Nino doesn't, affect us that directly but it will bring up the overall global temperatures over the next year or two so this year or more likely next year we could have the warmest year on record globally and of course here in Ireland where we have this kind of moderate climate we we hopefully will be able to cope with that but in other parts of the world that are already under pressure with drought or, or even famine conditions warming and warming again is going to be rather dangerous won't it? Yes it will uh, most likely lead to more extremes more droughts more extreme uh, rainfall events as well it has kind of the opposite effect to La Nina so whereas the Horn of Africa say was dry during the La Nina years um, it, it'll make that area it should make that area wetter and Australia was wetter during the La Nina it should make the Aust- Australasia area drier than average so it kind of shifts the weather patterns around the globe um, more so in the kind of a tropical and subtropics rather than uh, as far in the northern hemisphere as we are so, yeah. Is Let's there at this stage, Paul, like, because there will be people, I met somebody when I was out and about um, the other week who said, oh, it's all the media, climate change is nonsense. This this is just, you know, the media um, trying to frighten us. Um, as, as a meteorologist, as a, as a climatologist, sorry, um, like, can you scientifically tell us that this, these changes, these warming temperatures are as a result of uh, climate change, because of how we're living and how we're we're polluting the earth, or how much of them are to do with the natural cycle of the earth. Well, it's beyond doubt now that um, climate change and the and the um, the temperatures increasing is part of an observed warming trend um, that has been caused by the release of greenhouse gases by humans into the atmosphere. So that's beyond doubt, and the latest climate models. For the future for, for Ireland and globally uh, show this trend continuing into the future, that, that, that warming trend.
Okay. And, you know, for people who are not familiar with you and the, and the work that you do, Paul, like we might see your colleagues um, giving us the forecast for the next couple of days on the, the news. What is it that you as a climatologist do for MetAaron? Um, so we look at all the data basically that's coming in and compare it to averages. So the climate statement that just I just released there today looks at the climate, the data for June and compares it to the 30-year average in 1981 to 2010. And it gives you the statistics of what parameters were above average, what parameters were below average. Um, and basically, so we have a record of that for every month going back. And then we have a record of all our data and we can compare it to different different time periods to show the trends and, and the trends and make graphs out, you know, to show the trends that the and it's based on data that we have, you know, it's not like anything made up or anything, it's data that we have. So we're just showing the trends and how the climate is changing. Now, um, Medairn launched a project there last week called Translate. And this brings all the um, climate model projections for Ireland into one place and in a convenient place um, on the website. And the data is all there and it has climate services that are developed to help Ireland prepare and adapt to the future and present changing climate. So this is all there because I think it can be quite, well, overwhelming if you were to go onto Google and just do, do a quick search. You know, the amount of data that will, would come back is mammoth. So you've now this location on your own website that people can look at and, and you can see in, yeah. in an easier to follow way. Exactly, yeah. Um, if you look up Translate on our website, and all our websites based on the latest climate models uh, and the climate section of the Mediterranean website is based on climate data that we've actually recorded ourselves. So it's all, you know, clear and transparent there. Can I ask, Paul, on a personal level, when you hear people claiming that it is the media trying to frighten people, and I know I find it irritating as a, as a journalist, but um, is it something that you find frustrating given that this science and, you know, the statistics, this this is your bread and butter, the, the research you're doing it day to day, you're not, as you say, making it up? Um, it is frustrating because... Um, we try to get the accurate information out there, but um, I guess some media, you know, take that information and make it want to sensationalise it, uh, or you know, want people to click on it. So they 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 may you know make a sensationalised headline out of something, but then when you look at the quotes of the actual climatologists, you know, it's not really saying exactly what they're saying. But that's, I mean, that's the way that that's the way the system works. So we just kind of have to get around that and, and get the as much accurate information out there as we can. Well, Paul Moore, climatologist with Met Aaron, that was a very diplomatic response. Paul, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of Let's Go Green. Okay, Ashing, thanks very much. We Here's will be bye. back after the break. You're listening to Let's Go Green on Midlands 103 with myself, Ashling O'Rourke. I hope you have enjoyed our programme this week. We will, of course, be back with another episode of Let's Go Green at the same time next week. But if in the meantime you are listening to us on Midlands 103 FM on Monday night at 7pm, don't forget that you can listen to us at your leisure on Apple, Spotify and indeed Google Podcasts. You can search for Let's Go Green with Ashling O'Rourke in your preferred podcast app to listen to um, myself 
on the go at a time that suits you. You can also listen back to us each and every week on Midlands103.com and don't forget, please do like, subscribe, follow. You might even write us a review if you're feeling generous on the old podcast apps. It does help to get the show out to a wider audience and it is, of course, much appreciated. Well, as I said, I'll be back same time next week here on Midlands 103. In the meantime, get in contact with me through the on-air section of midlands103.com. Stay safe and have a great week. Midlands 103.